the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. We'll say something about December 7th in a little bit. He was a bigger deal once, a much bigger deal. But he's still around and still getting published and still speaking. In his day, you could not turn your head without seeing one of his books, broadcasts, or profiles in a magazine or interview. Garrison Keeler. You folks remember him? He was that storyteller of Lake Wobegon. So he has a piece he published titled, Mr. Socialist Confesses. That was interesting, I thought. Had he heard the screams Whitaker Chambers has written about? No, not exactly. He does not renounce his socialism. He simply writes about how it couldn't produce modern conveniences he once opposed, but now confesses he likes, like Uber and Lyft. His confession is that he likes some of the things capitalism makes convenient for him. Here is the paragraph of his I could not let go of. Quote, capitalists say that you have to drown a few puppies in order to achieve progress. But I come from Minnesota, which is a socialist state in the sense that we identify with victims and feel guilty about whatever success we've achieved. Close quote. That's new. I'd never heard that. Was he speaking of Anthony Fauci and gain-of-function research, drowning puppies? No. Is he even familiar with that set of allegations about Fauci, by the way? I'm guessing the answer to that is no as well. Else why bring up that ugly and against-interest imagery? But note an interesting inversion of thought and language taking place here because I'm assuming most people schooled in just basic thoughts about socialism are familiar with the line, it takes cracking a few eggs to make an omelet. That line has often been attributed to Vladimir Lenin, Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov, to Big Lebowski fans. Turns out Lenin didn't actually originate that phrase, but it's been well enough attributed to him that one believes he probably believed it. Most tyrants do. I recall once someone telling William Buckley that you have to crack a few eggs in socialism to get your omelet. And William Buckley responded by saying, yeah, but a lot of eggs have been cracked. I've never seen the omelet. One thing I confess to never having heard is that capitalists drown puppies. Am I, I, I Googled it and found nothing. Am I alone in thinking that's no, not only an inversion but an invention? I've seen torture videos of animals in al-Qaeda and Taliban training camps, certainly in Iraq, testing poison gas and so forth. I've seen state-sponsored torture. And I think one of the things that is so wild so many about, for example, gain-of-function research is that this capitalist society was revulsed by what it heard and saw, was being with, was being done with and to dogs. Garrison Keillor doesn't require a lot of our time and thought, but this is what the old, kindly, seemingly harmless, avuncular liberal left thinks and believes. He's a synoctiki for them. Socialism is fine, just not great at modern conveniences, and capitalism is the ideology that ends up torturing the innocent. 
this view spans the generations. Not, o- not old, not avuncular, not harmless or seemingly harmless is Ibram X. Kendi, who has written, One Cannot Be an Anti-Racist and a Capitalist. Think on that a moment. To get rid of racism, which is the most important thing to many, among the most important things to me, certainly, one has to upend the very system that, well, founded itself around a set of principles dedicated to individual rights and equality that catalyzed the majority of this country to fight the minority of this country in order to end slavery, and that has produced every piece of civil rights legislation and law this country has achieved so much so that people fled socialist countries to live here. Alexander Solzhenitsyn moved here. Bernie Sanders, resident of the state Solzhenitsyn moved to, never moved to the USSR, though he spoke highly of it after visiting it after Solzhenitsyn moved to his state of Vermont, though Sanders never saw fit to meet with or talk to Solzhenitsyn. Evidently easier to go to the Soviet Union than drive across your state. It's not like this is an aberrancy. I'm having a hard time coming up with a name, anyone who actually left freedom or this country to move to and take residence in a socialist country. The only name I keep thinking of is Lee Harvey Oswald, But he, of course, regretfully came back, perhaps to do the bidding of the socialists, most likely, as the Warren Commission had it, the Cuban government. I wish more people would read the non-anodyne things said about socialism, i.e., that things socialists say about themselves and what they believe, rather than what those who want to sanitize and make innocent their views actually believe. For example, in Cuba. The Constitution reads, quote, Cuba is a socialist state of workers, independent and sovereign, organized with all and for the good of all as a united democratic republic for the enjoyment of political freedom, social justice, individual and collective welfare and human solidarity. Remember the first sentence. Cuba is a socialist state of workers. Cuba, one of the top 10 human and civil rights abusers in the world, is proud to call itself a socialist state. To the socialists, there really is no distinction between socialism and communism. Early on, after all, Fidel Castro gave a speech, themes and tones of which he'd repeat throughout his life, that, quote, I am a Marxist-Leninist and shall be one until the end of my life, close quote. He went on to state that, quote, Marxism or scientific socialism has become the revolutionary movement of the working class, close quote. For example, a speech at a central committee of the Communist Party he would start the conflations, speaking about, quote, our socialist society, our communist society, close quote. We can do this all day with the USSR and its leaders and constitutions and the Chinese since Mao until today. It's not as if our misdirected youth are confusing things either, by the way. Just go to the Twitter account of the Students for Socialism at ASU right here in River City. This is what they shout to you, telling you who they are and what they believe, quote, Students for Socialism at Arizona State University is a socialist revolutionary Marxist club. Our mission is to end capitalism and fight for socialism, close quote. Frederick Engels himself, the co-author of the Communist Manifesto, wrote, quote, The manifesto is the most widespread, the most international production of all socialist literature, close quote. And so I'm continually curious as to how we wipe away, cleanse, and repeatedly shrive the noxious toxicity and body count 
of these things, while at the same time rendering low and evil its counterpoise, capitalism and democracy. Garrison Keillor comes off like an easygoing, old and harmless man. Ibram Kendi carries himself as a reasonable, intellectual teacher doing his best to rid the world of racial terror, a world that gives him an endowed professorship at one of America's most elite universities just before that same world delivered to him a $10 million check from the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, who could not invent Twitter in any country Kendi deems. Heck, Twitter is officially banned in China. Maybe just maybe that is why Twitter doesn't have problems with banning people in America. But it's taking its fortunes from the same system it condemns and applying its policy, politics and policy decisions from the impetus of a country it is not allowed to operate in. This is how we are forced to think now, or at least how we are supposed to think. But thinking begets living at least living with meaning. This is how I ended the show yesterday, quoting Harry Jaffa. The fate of our civilization is still in our hands because it is in our minds. Teachers like Ibram Kendi get this. Teachers who taught what real communism and socialism was and is used to teach this. The first dominant of our world thought today and second category, however, does not. Arthur Kessler, Someone who heard the Whitaker Chambers screams and wrote of them in a book called The God That Failed put it this way, quote, all true faith is uncompromising, radical, purist. Hence, the true traditionalist is always a revolutionary zealot in conflict with the pharisaical society, with the lukewarm corruptors of the creed, close quote. This is our concern. The other side is full of revolutionary zealotry, and they tell us so. Too many of us seem lukewarm, at best, even uncertain about our own side. And it's aided along by the tactics of the zealots in their censorship and broadsides. So, final thought. You know where Garrison Keillor would be ignored, impoverished, or imprisoned for doing what he did to make himself wealthy? The countries and systems of economics and governments he happily and so casually venerates. You know where he can and could write what he wanted and became wealthy as a result? The economics and the government of the country he reviles. Heck of a thing, that. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Scarlet O chased it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show and thank you to Tim McGraw for a lot of that history lesson. There's a great history lesson in that song. Everyone likes to think about We Didn't Start the Fire as a great song for there are three great songs to learn. You know that's not a that's not a bad way to encourage children to learn history. You're always look I'm just thinking out loud here. You're we're always we're always thinking about ways to engage them and interest them in history. And if you wonder why we use songs with children and music uh, with lessons in them, it's because kids love music and songs and the lessons therein. It's much easier to teach with music if you can. Have you ever had to memorize things like maybe the presidents or something like that with a song, a lyric, a melody? Uh, teaching history, there. Uh, here's three ways to do it. Being, if anyone does this, if any, Bill, let's work on this. If anyone does this, Let's get these songs out. If anyone does this, I would love a report 
on what the kids found the most intriguing or interesting. The three songs, there may be more that I have at the top of my head, that you can teach history, ancient and modern, with um, certainly would be the one everyone thinks of, which is Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Maybe we can go out with these three songs or something. Bill, you do what you want with it. This is You, you can figure it out. We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, there's certainly that Tim McGraw song, uh, Southern voice and then the third one is neil diamond gone or done too soon done or gone too soon done too soon i think all of it maybe the joel isn't in our bumper but we can add, just for one one time we can we can go out with a bumper i think we can get through that death star but um teach your kids those songs and ha- and go through the lyrics with them and uh, and see if uh, which one they they find the most interesting, or which set, what, what part of the history they find most interesting, because they are three different history lessons. Uh, Tim McGraw's and Billy Joel's would be ex- almost almost exclusively American history. If it's not American history, it's history America would be involved with. So like Cold War stuff. The Neil Diamond one I think is a little more international and and universal because I. If memory serves, it has lyrics about, of course, uh, you know, Jesus and, and Buddha and stuff like that. S- but they're all three kind of catchy songs, Done Too Soon, Southern Voice, and uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Neil Diamond, Tim McGraw, Billy Joel. It would, it, would, it would not be a bad appreciation of history if kids or anyone knew every reference in those songs. I'm pretty sure I do. I had to look one up. Once and it was in the Neil Diamond song. I had to look up the story of a Carol Chessman. Maybe some uh, audience members a little older than I know the story of Carol Chessman. I did not. It's a California death penalty case in the '60s that um, Hollywood got involved in. You know how they get involved every once in a while with something. Abu Mumia Jamal is is a cause celeb. There are others. Please tell me Sirhan Sirhan isn't going to be one. God, I hope not. But but uh, but Carol Chessman evidently was one of these cases where people in the Hollywood uh, glitterati liberal establishment were campaigning for him not to receive the death penalty. I just didn't know that story. Um, and I, th- I think I knew almost all the other references and all the other lyrics. They're poignant and they're easily teachable. Okay, we'll, we'll get to some other stuff. It's a good day to talk history, too. December 7th, it's pregnant. We'll say some words on it. Matt and Phoenix, you got a thought on this, brother? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Horton, Gotta yep. Sink the Bismarck, and the Battle of New Orleans. Yes. Those are good ones. And, I mean, if we're but, tied to very specific incidents, right? Yes. You know, specifically the Bismarck, and the Battle of New Orleans is a little truthful, but there's also a little... Uh, little rebel uh yeah i noticed yeah you're right there is there is a little lost cause in there isn't there well i feel sorry for the alligator i get it i get it i was trying to think of the gordon lightfoot song the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald that that's another uh so what you've done here matt is really interesting you have you don't you maybe aren't realizing what you've done here but you have done to my attempted lesson what the modern academy has done to all study so you used to have Matt. I'm going to have fun with you. Is that okay? Can I have some fun with you for a moment? That, that's fine. Okay. So used to be you could write a dissertation or something on an episode in history 
or a person in history, right? And 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 things got narrower and narrower and narrower, narrower where history books even or dissertations became about you know one month in history or one year in history then one month now one day you know there's books titled april whatever 5th in 1865 so i was well, yeah it's just kind of fun though, i'm having fun at your with you i'm having fun no and unfortunately though in school nowadays history is not even fun i know so most of them have no idea what today is in um let me say let me say something i th- that controversial because you know I never do that, right, Matt? But let me <laughs> yeah, let me right. warn you. <laughs> Strap on your seatbelts. In 1992, Clinton, Perot, George H. W. Bush, the election of 1992. Did I do that wrong? Clinton, Bush, Ross Perot. Right, that's right. Those three. Mm-hmm. Right, 1990. You remember that? William Buckley yep. wrote a syndicated column after watching some of the questions and debates, and he was citing the fatherlessness rate in America, which was uh, awful, obviously, at that time, too. It's worse now. It was awful then. And he said the only relevant question for each of these candidates is what do you propose to do about the fatherlessness rate in America? Now, he was, you know, he was being slightly hyperbolic, slightly but it was a major issue of concern that wasn't being addressed, wasn't being talked about. And I, I took his point. It, it's when you look at the statistics that come out of this issue, there's a lot of problems that redound from it, aren't there? Uh, a lot. And I would update it to the point you just made. The most relevant thing that we need to remember as Americans, perhaps just as conservatives, I'm not sure, is that 50 percent of our high school students graduate high school with an F in American history. I believe that is the most important datum in front of us. I really do. But what is real sad is I helped a good friend of mine uh, get her citizenship, went through, and I would read the questions to her, and, and she had them down pat. I asked some of my coworkers the same questions, and most of them couldn't answer them. Matt, hold the thought. This is a big – do you have time? Do you want to do this a little more with me on the next side? Uh, yeah, i got to yeah, take John. Fine. Yeah. can you? Ha- you're welcome to hang if I can get back to you. I'd love to explore it further. If you can hang a, a break in a segment, I would love to explore this further with you. I do think it is the most important piece of information we, we conservatives need to understand. They are misteaching and unteaching Americans. They are making aliens – of their own citizens in our U.S. schools right now. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and he has his own radio show here every Saturday at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, how are you? Fantastic. I came in with that song, by the way. That's an old Neil Diamond song. Very old, not very well known, just FYI, because I'm kind of talking about songs with history lessons in them. You know, the Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire, that kind of stuff. Uh, right. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock, of, of course, was a whole campaign to do it. Anyway, Neil Diamond had one, too. That's all. I just wanted to explain my music to you. <laughs> 
Well, that, thank you very much for that. I You're appreciate welcome. it. You're welcome. <laughs> Culture and economy. Yes. Speaking of the merger of both, Amazon's in the news again. Uh, yeah, interesting today. First of all, uh, the market uh, obviously had a wonderful day today for yep. those out there who have uh, saw what the market did. The Yesterday was the Dow's turn to lead, and today was the NASDAQ, up over 3% today just in one day of trading. So between yesterday and today, uh, we've seen a tremendous rally back for stocks. So for those out there who are a bit concerned uh, for the new strain of the virus, as we talked about over the past couple of days, seems to be uh, subsiding in the eyes of investors, which is a positive thing. Is, uh, yeah, ju- yeah, yeah, is 3% three, is three a, uh, a, a, an, an eyebrow raiser? Uh, yeah, 3% are really good. I, uh, I ask because I, I just, yes. you, you know, there's the old day, line, you know, it's going to cost you know. a million dollars. Is that a lot or a little? I don't know anymore, yeah. you know. <laughs> I just don't, you know. Yeah, well, 3% for, for, for the market okay. one day, okay. any index. That, that's that's pretty good. You know, we think, hey, if we can earn 5, 6, 7, 8, 10% a year, that's good. Oh, yeah, but okay, in that, in that realm, yeah, one okay. Day, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Of course, that doesn't mean they're going to hang on to the gains. Things can change. But, right. hey, Amazon today, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the web services, which is a big part of their business, Arizona, Amazon Web Services, uh, was that there was an outage today which, which really hurt a number of businesses across the country. One of the big ones was Disney uh, was hit. Their uh, services, streaming services were down. Uh, they have a variety of different Netflix, um, Ticketmaster, Robinhood, Coinbase. Uh, these are all companies that use these services, and they were all uh, hit with, with uh, slowdowns today because of outages. And even Amazon itself, for the delivery of their packages, was kind of handcuffed today, uh, trying to understand what was happening, what the problems were, uh, trying to get people back on track here. But uh, for those of you out there, if you're trying to utilize some services out there, I mean, even, um, you know, simple services that you might normally take for granted every day, you may have seen some impact on that. I know some some of the companies uh, on Wall Street who use certain um, software programs uh, and the, the uh, web services of Amazon for storage, cloud storage, were, were also hit to where some of these uh, investment firms were unable to access the data needed in order to, uh, you know, process uh, clients' accounts and such. So it was a, it's a real uh, problem, and hopefully these outages are going to get fixed uh, sooner than later. Do you ever worry? I, this is this is kind of a, a cross-sectional question, John, in what you do and in how we live. Do you ever worry about companies that? It's a version of too big to fail, but when they fail, we are all hamstrung. Some companies we have invested so much of our lives into. If the if the cloud falls, if the if the Apple cloud were to fall, say to so to speak, or or something like that, a network going down. Do you wor- yeah. do you ever worry about that? I mean, we have so invested and in, and so revolved our our lives around their ability to perform. Well, I worry about that sometimes. Well, there's been movies made about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say at this point that we're still in the infancy, I think, Good. of this whole cloud service that's uh, happening right now. Good. I do think it's a tremendous benefit. Look at what happened when COVID hit. Yeah. How immediately companies were able to pivot and yeah. begin working remotely, yeah. uh, allowing businesses to continue operations uh, in, uninterrupted, which is amazing. Yeah. Now, just a few years ago, it would have been almost impossible to do what we did. So this 
this benefit, this service that's out there is tremendous for us as, as a, a country to be able, and as a world to be able to continue to do business remotely. But with that, like with anything else, comes uh, some challenges yeah. if indeed that service does go down. Uh, what's interesting today, even with what's happening with the web services right now, Amazon stock, again, had a tremendous yeah. day, just mm-hmm. as the rest of the market did. And Amazon was up today almost 3% in go. one day of trading. So yeah. almost approaching their all-time highs again. Yeah. So I would just say this. It's an issue right now. Am I worried about it? Well, I think so. Deep down in the back of my mind, I would be concerned when things like this happen. But we would hope that they're not long-lived. These are short-term issues and that there are usually backups to these types of Good. things. And a company like Amazon... I believe they're going to say, hey, we don't want this oh, to happen yeah. again. Yeah. What's going to be our backup plan if something like this happens? No so I think that's it. what we learn as, as these big companies do. Nicely said, sir. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finman Sipping and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, John Dombrowski. I'm Seth Leapson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Matt has uh, been holding. Thank you, Matt. You called in with those great history songs uh, earlier. We were talking about teaching children history through through the use of songs and music, and uh, you were talking about a co-worker. What, was it a co-worker you were mentioning? No, uh, a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, she immigrated from India and was going for her citizenship, so I'm, I was helping her with, uh, you know, going through the the questions yeah and i asked some of my co-workers the, the questions and the majority of them couldn't even answer oh, the, the basic citizenship test yes right yes right right and, and that's that's pretty sad it's 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 awful um and that's why i say while of course the issue of illegal immigrants illegal aliens is a major one obviously goes without saying although we probably need to say more. We have an equally fifth-column problem in America in our own school system where we are making aliens of our own citizens. You put a kid 18 years through our public education, public and private education system, 50% of them don't, can't, can't get past an F in American history. We're making aliens of our citizens, aliens to a country well, they don't know. That- at the age of 18... Think about what that means at the age of 18 to be ignorant of the history of your own country. This is the age you would go to college. It's the age you would possibly join the military, maybe have your first job, certainly the age of your first vote. It's it's a disaster. Well, you know, not only that they're not teaching it, but what they are teaching is skewed. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, you know, history has already happened. You teach it as it as it was not as you see it through a leftist lens or a conservative lens. It's history. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. You know, so, so many people have no idea of any part of the founding of our country, what we did in World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. 
Well, the danger to it, the danger to it is its own thing. It's it's a it's a danger in and of itself. Um, The thing kind of speaks for itself, as they say in Latin, recips aloquitur. But there's another problem. C.S. Lewis said, wrote that when you miseducate a child, you are subjecting him as an adult to propaganda. And that's that's what's happened here, Matt. Why why do we think that there are throngs, millions of Americans who spout lines and statements that are, you know, ignorant, wrong, false, because they've been propagandized to believe them. They've been propagandized, and this can go in anything from who you call a fascist or a racist to what you say about systemic racism in American history to what you say about the founding, all kinds of stuff, right? Well, I've, I've dealt with that already with some of the younger generations just over 9-11. Yeah, exactly right. Over, It's that fast. Already the distortions. Already the propaganda. You know, my, I call her my daughter, but she was born in 1999. So for her, you know, that's that's history. Yeah, yeah. And I've had quite a few discussions with her about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the example I was thinking of the other day. Very smart guy. Very smart. Very, very. My, my, well, my just, uh, the story is, I had in my mind was just a very smart and accomplished guy who was telling me how President Washington instituted a national vaccine mandate. Not, not one part well, of that sentence is true. Not one part. My, my daughter is not stupid by any means. Yeah. She's doing post grad at uh, Yale right now. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. But I, you can imagine some of the conversations I've had with her. Charles Kessler, an old teacher of mine, once said that one of the worst places to learn about the Constitution is law school. I would now say about one of the worst places to learn American history is in college. Uh, She went to Lewis and Clark up in Portland, which is very liberal. And, you know, now now she's at Yale. You know, fortunately, she didn't do political studies. She's doing uh, biophysics. Oh, that is fortunate. I agree with you. Yeah, keep her in the hard science. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, for her, I agree for, with you. Agree. For her, that was very easy. Her her uh, thesis when she graduated from uh, Lewis and Clark had uh, three uh, subjects rolled into one. Okay, all right. So she her was... professors had no idea how to grade it. So they gave her an A. Hopefully. I think it was probably if it was higher than that. If yeah, yeah, because there can be a higher than A now. This is the old Garrison <laughs> Keeler thing all over again, isn't it? All the children are better than average. I got gotcha. you. I'm with you, Matt. This has well, been no, such a good. Go ahead, go ahead. No, she did uh, very hard subjects. Yeah. So it, it wasn't she. She was skirting. It's not she easy. The... Listen, I don't want to undermine. Look, let let me not undermine the achievement of getting into great schools or 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 any college. That ranges the esteem from Lewis and Clark to Yale. I don't mean to undermine it. It's a great achievement to get into them. I worry about what happens once you're there. You know, that's my, what I my mean. greatest my greatest thing is. Not only did she get into Yale, she got in on a scholarship. Yeah, that is a, something to be very proud of. This is this is hard work, well rewarded by society and you. Just probably not well rewarded by the faculty at Yale. You know, that's all. Uh, not a, not right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing hard sciences at Yale. If there's any influence you have, have her 
check out the computer science department a name and 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 a professor named David Gelernter, G E L E R N T E R. He's a sometime guest of the show. His son is a frequent guest of the show. He is uh, an incredible force of nature. David Galanter, a computer science professor at uh, Yale. Uh, I'll uh, mention it next time I talk to her. And if you want to read one of the best books on history and culture of the 20th century, you can do it in one night. Read David Galanter's book called Drawing, like an artist drawing, Drawing Life. Drawing Life. You can read it in a night. Okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. Uh, I'll look it up. Please do. Matt, this okay. was fun. Bless you for calling. Bless you for your call. Thank you for everything. Michael is in Buckeye. Hi, Michael. Hey, Seth. How are you? I am uh, walking on sunshine. How are you? <laughs> That's awesome. Did, did that, really, yeah. that made you laugh? That's all it took? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're an easy mark, uh, buddy. You're an easy you, mark. You, you, were, you were talking about learning history from, from music and from songs and... and uh, a song that is not only historical but has social ramifications was uh, Bob Dylan's Hurricane, about uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter. There you go. Hurricane Carter. Bob Dylan. I was hoping I only really had one, uh, one audience member who liked Bob Dylan in, 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 in Phoenix. But, uh, gosh, it seems to be a confederacy of two at this point. Hurricane Carter. He wrote a song about him, huh? The boxer, right? Hurricane Carter. Do you know this song, Bill? I don't either. But it's someone I should know about. So this is my point. Michael did it. Michael had a good point here. All right. Thank you. Rick, I saw you were calling in. Call back. I love talking about our credo. We'll be right back. Charlie Pride, man. Lost him last year, too. I guess those two country musicians, right, that we lost last year. Were there more than two that we lost uh, from or with COVID? Charlie was one of them. The other one we did yesterday was Joe Diffie. I don't know if – did was did we lose Charlie Daniels last year? Is that a possibility? And was that a COVID thing? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um I, I, I am always reticent to um, bestow great status on newcomers, uh, on um, ingenues, if you will, or, or, or uh, uh, someone who is, is, is nouveau famous for doing one thing right or one thing well. I think we should, you know, move forward with caution with people. But I got to tell you, I was watching CBS this morning, and they didn't know what they had on their hands here. They were talking about the Jussie Smollett story. And by the way, how, by the way, how many times do we have to go through things like Jussie Smollett or uh, uh, Nick Sandman or Kyle Rittenhouse or others? How many times do we have to go through this where the jumping on the narrative so pleases that narrative that everyone's just trying to catch up to the truth only to find out the truth is not somewhat different. It's entirely different than what was sold to us. And how many people have to be destroyed along the way? Uh, so CB, Jesse Smollett is a reminder of that and, 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 and something that the left is not going to know how to deal with very well. In fact, on Twitter, you still see supporters of his position 
saying y'all are going to be embarrassed when Jesse Smollett testifies. This is an example. This is an example of what Larry Elder was talking about when he said when it comes to the race problem in America, supply is uh, oversaturating demand and outpaced demand. But one of the witnesses against Smollett was his friend who he paid. I hope I don't butcher the name too much. Abel Osendairo. Abel Osendairo. And the reporters at CBS caught up to him on the way to court. Play what he said real quick. You ready to tell your truth? Yeah, I'm ready to do what I got to do. Yeah? yeah. Tell the truth, not my truth. You nervous at all? Yeah, man. That's it. CBS wants his truth. He says, no, I'm, I'm swearing to uphold the truth. That distinction's important. The degree to which we evade and blur it is the degree to which we're going to have a lot more problems. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.